interests in health and well-being with different perspectives to bring you a variety of tips and tricks for feeling your best and living a full, healthy life. Let's get started. Hi, friends. Happy Monday. Um, I'm really excited. I love Monday. So it... <laughs> I was thinking about this a lot lately. Monday, like the start of a new week, but also I've really been upbeat and in a great mood because it feels like the weather's changed with spring coming and Easter and my birthday month is April. And it always feels like I really harness the energy of that like rebirth period. And I started to recognize that like I love a reset, whether it's a Monday or the first of a month or a new season or a new year, or a new birth year, I just love that fresh start, even like the start of a new day, like I'm such a morning person, if you follow along on my Instagram stories a lot, you'll see my morning routine, it's so important to me, like I love that time so much, I wake up excited, and I'm like, yes, I get to start over, like today is a new day, and I just love the potential that a new beginning has, and I feel like I... I recognize and appreciate that in all different ways. And today I actually went back to Pilates for the first time in, I think, like months. Work has been really busy um, on the HR side of things, not holistic health coaching. Um, and I just kind of like wasn't able to keep up with the workouts and stuff the way that I wanted to and just wasn't finding the time or the energy really. So I went back today and it's a little intimidating when you go back when you haven't been in a while and I actually went to a new studio because they opened one up closer to me and you know you don't know where you're parking or how it's set up or what the instructors are like so it was just a little bit like uncomfortable but I also know that once I get that first initial um you know visit out of the way that it's all good and then I feel comfortable going the next time so a reminder if you feel a little uncomfortable going to do something that you really want to do, just do it. Once it's over, it's over. Rip off the Band-Aid. So anyway, I started my fresh week off, my birthday month, my Pilates. Um, it feels good just like getting my body back into shape. Like it feels best when I'm like nice and toned up and long and lean and stretching and all that. And I love starting the week off that way. So anyway... I just went off on a tangent. I was really excited. I walked out and it was sunny. I'm just really feeling the weather and the energy right now here in LA. Um, so today I am chatting with Shannon, Shannon Rubenstone, and I just love her. So Shannon and I met, it was years ago now because we. she said that I was pregnant when we first met up. So that was, um, I guess it was three years ago because Wyland will be three in June. So if I was pregnant then at least three years ago, that's so, it's so crazy. So Shannon also lives in LA. She's a graduate of IIN um, and she is a health coach, but she kind of has a little bit of a niche. And I think this is interesting because she is willing to go where not everyone will go and talk about things that are a little taboo, but that are so impactful to women's health and women's lives. Um, so after suffering from over three years of chronic infections, embarrassing digestive issues, weight gain, low energy, frequent canker sores, and more, she finally harnessed the power of nutrition to heal herself. She went back to school so she could help others to avoid having a similar long journey. And she now coaches women who are ready to overcome chronic yeast infections, bloat, anxiety, and more so they can get their confidence back. I 
strongly recommend you go check out Shannon on Instagram, Adios Candida on her website, adioscandida.com, and I'll link all this in the show notes too. Um, but there's just such incredible information that she has to offer in this podcast episode, but also um, that she shares on a regular basis. So let's get started. Okay, cool. So I finally have Shannon Rubenstone here. We've been trying to do this for quite some time. Um, Shannon and I actually met when we were both attending IIN and we met up in person to do a health history, which now seems so strange because no one meets up in person to do anything ever. And it was just like, it was so normal back then. Um, and we've since had just so many different kind of crossovers, whether it was, um, you know, through, I think we even did, we might've done it. Did we do an Instagram live at some point in time? I don't remember. Um, but it's been, gosh, it's been like almost two, three years. We had our babies kind of around the same time, new moms, the pandemic, all of that good stuff. So welcome. It's so good to have you here. Um, just before we started recording, we were kind of talking about like LA and raising kids here. And that brought me to where you grew up and you grew up in Portland, right? I did. You were yeah, born up, and raised. Yeah. Right outside of the city. I grew up in a suburb of Portland, went to um, college in Portland. So I really spent a lot of time there before I moved to Los Angeles. What was that like? Cause I have no reference other than like some TV shows and like, it just, <laughs> it looks beautiful, but, and, and I feel like, I think I would like it. It's got like that kind of hippie vibe, right? Coffee totally. shops and tell me what it's like up there. Yeah. And my parents are both total hippies. So it was like, it was definitely our, <laughs> our vibe. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Tons of coffee shops for sure. You know, it's interesting the uh, the amount of change that's happened in Portland since I grew up there, Portland and the suburbs outside is just pretty drastic. So many people have been moving in. I know, especially even during the pandemic, I saw just like an exodus from California moving up there um, yeah. where it's becoming a lot more populated and a lot more busy. But especially when I was younger and growing up there, it did feel just like very chill and very kind of hippie vibes. One of my favorite things in downtown Portland um, every weekend, maybe except for just a little bit in the winter is something called the Saturday market. That's like a huge craft, um, market. So many different foods are there and like just everyone, it felt like always ended up at Saturday market at some point on the weekend. Um, yeah, one of my, like, did that almost every weekend, I feel like through the spring and the summer that brought us downtown, it's right on the waterfront, which is just such a beautiful place to be in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> sounds beautiful. I need to get there to visit. Dave and I talk about like taking the train and just mm -hmm. kind of making like oh an adventure out of it. Yeah. That's very cool. I'll have to get recommendations from you. What part of Portland would you say we should visit if we go? Ooh. Um, there's a lot of fun parts. Let's see. So to be able to go and just like really experience like the heart of downtown, that's like Southwest Portland, I would say. But if you want more of the like hipster, like funky shops, things like that, that's Southeast for sure. Like there's okay. an area called the Hawthorne district where just like every single shop is really funky and cool. And lots of um, food trucks are everywhere. Like food mm. truck culture is, was huge in Portland before I think it was anywhere else. Um, that there's these areas you'll find throughout the city that are like a hub of food trucks. So you'll walk in and there's like eight food trucks there all serving, you know, all different kinds of unique foods. So Very cool. um, yeah, 
it's a fun city. So many fun pockets throughout it. Yeah. Awesome. And it's very like outdoor friendly from what I understand. Very green. Um, like you're definitely going to be spending a lot of time in nature. Is that still the case? It totally, I think, um, you know, it's funny. I didn't appreciate that growing up there. Uh, I would get annoyed when my parents would want to go on hikes and (laughs) just, you know, it rains a lot. They, you know, it probably doesn't rain as much as people think it does when they think about Portland, but it does rain a lot. It's always kind of wet and overcast, but that leads to such amazing, like green beauty, fresh air. You know, the first time I remember coming back from LA after I'd lived here for a year or so, I felt like I landed and I could like take a deep breath of real fresh air. And I was, I really appreciated and recognized like all the green that was everywhere in a different way than I had when I actually was in it for, you know, my first 20 something years. So, yeah. That's so funny. Isn't it interesting how the things that we dreaded or we were like, I don't want to do that as a kid or not like our dream, like, please somebody help me go for a hike, like watch my kid while I go right green forest (laughs) exactly it's so funny how that shifts but yeah I just didn't I didn't realize how special that was because it just was everywhere it was all around me when I was younger yeah what what were you like as a kid did you like did you have like a big imagination were you academic like what were you like as a kid what was I like as a kid I um I was definitely um, I was a little on like the bossy, but you know, bossy slash like leadership, yeah. <laughs> leadership skills. Um, I was a kid who, uh, with all my friends, all my cousins, I was the one organizing all of the talent shows and any kind of performance I could like rope other people into doing, but also like directing them through every single part of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just organizing everything, which is still, I feel like I've toned down a little on the bossy part of that quite a bit, but, um, definitely is still part of my personality today of like organizing everything like that. Yeah. Um, like your retreat. It's like your retreat. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's evolved into the retreats in Italy and (laughs) Ohio. Exactly. Yeah. Now planning retreats for people. I worked, you know, jumping ahead a bit, but like I worked in fundraising, I worked in PR. So like, I feel like those all kind of they, they relate to that personality I had as a kid too. Yeah, totally. Organizing events and people. That's so funny. (laughs) I can totally see that. I can absolutely see you as a little kid being like, stand here, say your (laughs) lines when you're supposed to No, not like that. Uh (laughs) Like putting everyone's costumes together, everything. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. Like as a kid, cause I know we're going to talk about nutrition too. Um, another thing about how I was as a kid, I'm also like a very stubborn person. And one of the ways that that came out was in my eating. I was like the pickiest kid and the most stubborn kid about the foods that I would eat or wouldn't eat. I should say, um, that, that, uh, that was something that I've, I'm still, I think working through even in my mid thirties, because I was so, um, yeah, so stubborn about food and really, unless it was like, bread or cheese based. (laughs) I wasn't touching it. If it had green on it, you know, I didn't have a salad till I was in college. Um, I like just was kind of stuck in my ways around the food. And I think ultimately that is what it is, is it was like a control and a stubborn thing, but also fear of maybe trying new things when I was little and really Mm -hmm. like clinging to the things that felt safe and comfortable. Very interesting. That's my son now. It's my it's talk funny. Now too. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up because I, 
I was thinking about recently, like probably preteen, teen years, 20s, like food became this thing that always had to be managed. And it was always like, it, it turned into like an emotional crutch. So very much like for me, an emotional eater, stressed, eat, tired, eat, excited, eat, like, and I remember as a kid, I didn't want to eat dinner. I didn't want to come in from playing. I was in the zone. I was outside. Like food didn't have that appeal to me. It was just a means of nourishment and a fuel as it's meant to be. And I always think about like, what was the catalyst that changed my relationship with food? And I I still don't really know. I don't have an answer for that. But I always think back to like, I can remember the house we lived in and we moved out of that house before I was in second grade. So I was young. And I remember like, my mom calling me in from for dinner. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want dinner. And now I'm like, I can't wait till dinner. Like I'm counting down the minutes till dinner. Like I think about dinner all day. Like, I wonder what it is as, you know, in our childhood that changes that relationship to food. And you kind of, you know, mentioned control control is certainly Mm -hmm. um, I think an aspect and a feeling that we relate when it comes to food, like controlling what we're eating, when we're eating it, even just being stubborn. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's different for everyone, but I think things that are observed, especially by um, when you talk about what you were just sharing, things we observe in our parents probably is a big, plays a role in that or, or the, or the things that they say that we don't even realize in the moment carries, or they don't, you know, that carries so much weight on how we move forward with the food choices or whatever it is that we're making. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you can recall that you can kind of pinpoint as that catalyst as to something someone had said or like a behavior that you witnessed that you felt safe being picky around what you were eating? Or is it just like a feeling that you just always remember having? That's a good question. You know, I really, it was like not until I was dating in my twenties that I felt safer around like trying new things. I think, cause I just felt like this is, I don't want this to be the reason why something doesn't work out with somebody. You yeah. Know? Really for me, it took that long. Um, But with that, what that you were saying, almost going back to what I was sharing about the plays and being bossy, like I very distinctly remember how often I was called bossy. And I think that really shaped some of the views I had, you know, about myself too, that like, that was just like the identity. Yeah. That that was really my identity. And there was a point and I can't pinpoint it exactly where I remember I did kind of shift and I turned a lot more inwards and I felt maybe embarrassed about it or pulled back and didn't want to be so like showy with, or, or bossy or pushing other people around. Um, and it was interesting when I read the book, lean in, did you ever read that book? I haven't. You know, she talks about the idea of banning the word bossy and really leaning into the idea of leadership because we talk about boys with leadership skills, but we don't say that with girls. We call girls bossy. And that hit me so hard. She literally used an example of like, um, bossing your cousins into doing plays and I was like, Oh my God, it's me. Um, and that really was eye-opening for me to recognize, you know, I actually was like a leader. That wasn't something to be embarrassed about as I got a little bit older. Um, and I wish in some ways adults had recognized and nourished that in a different way too, rather than maybe labeling me as bossy, which then yeah. I did, I do think like shaped some ways about how I felt about myself when I was younger too. Yeah. That's a really good point that I think at some point in time when we're adults and we're kind of 
able to look at things through a different lens, you can see where you were given these labels and you were given this identity that perhaps you just played out, you played the part because Mm -hmm. that's just what you do. Right. And that perhaps that's not you or not who you are or not in that same light where bossy sounds like it has a negative connotation, but leadership is positive. And to your point, you would never, no one would ever call a little boy bossy ever. Like I've never heard that ever in my life, but as a girl, you're bossy. That's very interesting. I think it's, there's definitely something there when you can like take a step back and start to explore that as an adult, like what were those qualities and how can I expand on them and not shrink away from them in a way that kind of like best suits you. And I think you're kind of doing that now as a health coach in a different way. Totally. Breaking down kind of these labels for people and the actions behind or the thought process behind some of their actions. Um, I think you were going to say something though, and I just cut you off. No, no, no problem. Um, No, I was going to say like in my coaching, that's, um, you know, we talk a lot about the stories that we tell ourselves or, and that have now formed um, limiting beliefs or like views, you know, how we view ourselves and, or stories that we've heard over and over and over again from our parents, grandparents, friends, whoever it is who have shaped the way we view ourselves, even though maybe they're not true or or not true anymore. Maybe they were true at a period of time in your life. And I think, um, that's really powerful to start to unlock and start to peel back those layers and look and, you know, I love, uh, that's the work I love doing with my clients, like yes, food and all of that is important, but getting into that kind of stuff and, the, and really starting to look at how it's in- impacted your mindset. That's where real healing can, can, and growth can come from once you've started to um, examine and kind of look at the ways that those are, or are not serving you anymore and, and giving yourself permission to be able to let go of some of those beliefs and stories that, that really don't serve you anymore and are holding you back. Yeah. What are you, what's kind of some of the most common self-limiting beliefs that you hear when you're working with clients? Because I think so many people listening probably hear this self-limiting beliefs a lot and they don't really know what that means or if they have them and how to kind of identify that. I'm sure there's certain self-limiting beliefs that come up frequently and how, you know, how can somebody work through that? What do you see most commonly? Oof. There's, I mean, I feel like we're, we're full of them, right? (laughs) Um, Let me think. One that I hear often is something around the idea of like, um, I have no willpower. I don't finish anything. I start Um, stuff in that vein of people have just told themselves because I haven't finished things before. um, I don't have willpower. And I think, you know, we all have willpower. I think it probably comes down to again, peeling back some of those layers and trying to look at like, well, what's underneath it? Like, what was the reason it didn't work this time? It probably has nothing to do with willpower and more about, you know, the structure of how it was set up of what you were trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Um, And so looking at that, looking also into the stories of like, well, who told you that? Or where did you see that um, reflected? Was there a parent who always talked that way about themselves, for example? And so starting to look into, into like all from all those different angles, we can look more at, for example, if we're trying to set or break a habit to be able to really look and say like, okay, well, maybe it's not that you can never finish anything you start. You don't have willpower. Like if that's off the table, then like what, what are our other options here? How do we make this happen? And again, yeah, it's looking at like, 
for the, the structures of setting up a habit. Like maybe it wasn't, you don't have a good enough prompt, for example, to remind you to do the habit, or it's actually too hard and we need to break it down into two or three other steps to help you get to whatever that habit is. Um, but it actually has nothing to do with, you know, your willpower in that case. Yeah. It literally is a belief that is limiting you. I mean, it is a false belief that <laughs> is holds keeping you, you from, yeah, it's there and they're powerful. Once you recognize them, like mine has always been around like unworthiness, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it comes up and I think I've held myself back in so many ways without realizing it because I think I didn't deserve it, you know, and I don't believe that in like in the moment, if, I, if we're talking about, I don't believe that, but everything that I've done, like there is that core self-limiting belief somewhere deep down um, that I can see as a theme of the pattern. And once you recognize that it, you can start to work through it and things expand and open up in such a different way. Like that's actually not true about me. Or I, you know, your example of willpower, like you do have willpower, you have willpower every single time you make a choice, like, but exactly. and you can also choose to stop telling yourself that you don't have willpower, that you're just one of those people who, you know, can't stick to anything. Like once you break through just that mindset shift, like so many things become available to you. It's really, really powerful. Yeah. Especially around that willpower. What I'll do with clients is um, we'll talk through things they have finished and have achieved. I remember there was one client who was just graduating college and she was telling me she had no willpower. I was like, you just graduated college. Like you showed up every day. You did your homework. You did all those things. You have it. We just need to see like, how do we apply that same mindset to something else now? Um, And, and, you know, let go of that story that you don't have willpower because we've now proven that false. So how do we, how do we move forward now with this new belief system that that actually isn't, isn't the story anymore? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's it's such important work. And I'm so glad that I don't know if I've been hearing about it more often because I'm in it or if it's becoming more, you know, discussed more often, which I think is the case, but I'm just so glad that people are able to take a step back and start to identify some of those beliefs that are holding them back. Um, let's take just a little step back. I want to talk about what inspired you to become a health coach. I know we all have that decision where we decided to enroll in whether it's IAN or another class. Um, but leading up to that, like what really inspired you to do this work and to share your knowledge and expertise with other people? Yeah. I mean, it starts with my own health story. So, um, which I think honestly, most people who get to this point, they had their own health journey and yeah. some sort of epiphany or, you know, um, moment where they realized it doesn't need to be like that. It can be different. Oh, and I want to help other people realize that too. So for me, you know, I struggled, um, for years and years with digestive issues, going back to how I only ate bread and cheese for like, almost two decades of my life. Um, so I struggled with years and years of digestive issues. And ultimately, um, in my late twenties, I started to get, uh, chronic yeast infections. Um, I, I was having them almost monthly and, and it just felt like I would take the medication. I'd maybe have a week or two off and it would be back again. And it was over and over and over again. It was just it was the worst. It was so, um, debilitating. It's the kind of thing that other people can't see that you're going through. And you don't really want to talk about it that much either. At the time I felt so much shame and stigma around it. It's funny. Now I like talk about yeast infections on the internet, (laughs) But, (laughs) but at the time I just, I was really inward about it and I felt so much shame and like something was wrong with me. And, 
you know, doctors fueled that too. They really um, didn't know how to help me beyond, you know, giving me the same medication over and over again, or different, you know, tips that weren't actually very helpful and nothing that got to the root of why these infections were happening. All they were doing was treating these infections, but not trying to understand why is this girl getting them almost every month for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So after like three years of having that happen, I was completely at my wits end, like total rock bottom and doing some more research, uh, which Google research was helpful at times and also really depressing seeing so many women, especially on the internet, just talking about how going through something similar had like ruined their marriages and, um, and they were still struggling. And I just, I was so, I was so determined to not be one of those women. Um, I was also at the time. I was engaged and then I was newly married as all of this was going on. And so it really was taking a toll on my relationship too. And I just didn't want that to be the case anymore. So um, at some point through research and um, I eventually, you know, started talking about it a little more and I found an acquaintance who had, had, had really cured her infections through diet. And it was like a light bulb for me. It was something I'd never really thought of. I'd never thought of changing my diet for, health system. Right. You always like, thought about it as weight. You were like, well, I'll and, change it yeah. to get skinnier or he never exactly. thinks about the actual health impact. Yeah. And, and at that point in time, I was eating a much healthier diet than I was in my younger years. You know, I cooked for myself. I thought I was eating healthy ish. You know, I enjoyed wine and cheese nights still and things like that, but much healthier. And, um, So I just never thought diet was the reason. And she really opened my eyes and I dove into research. And I personally then decided to go on a candida diet. And so it's a pretty restrictive diet at first that is really focused on removing things like refined sugar, especially any sources of that alcohol, caffeine, um, a number of grains, anything that's feeding uh, this candida overgrowth that ultimately causes things like yeast infections. And it changed my life totally. I mean, literally my whole life is different now because of figuring that out, but it really changed my life. Um, within weeks, I was starting to feel better within months. You know, I had no infections happening anymore. Um, yeah, I even, I, you know, I lost some weight. I had been really struggling to lose and, and had been trying to for a while. Um, I was getting monthly canker sores that disappeared when I changed my diet. Uh, my periods were better. My anxiety almost disappeared after being so, um, at a high at that point, especially just around the symptoms I'd been experiencing. Yeah. So depressed and anxious at that time. And it was just like a whole fog lifted mm-hmm. and, Um, I just, I felt like more people need to know about this. Um, You know, I can't be the only one seeing all those forums online of women struggling. Like I can't be the only one who is going through this. And I started an Instagram account in my healing journey. I connected with a lot of women during that time. And so that's what really made me want to take this to the next level. Um, I started studying and learning more and trying to help people. And along the way, I just, I wanted more credentials to help do that. Um, and ultimately too, giving birth and having a baby and really valuing my time and thinking about my future in a different way. I also, I wanted a different career path too. And so it was kind of a, the, the perfect combo of the two of those that made me enroll in IIN. I think she was like three or four months old when I enrolled. Mm-hmm. I think you, you were still pregnant, right? Yeah. I- <laughs> I was actually, I think you were very pregnant though. I I enrolled in March and he was born in June. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You remember that? And I don't, 
<laughs> I remember you were, you were pregnant. I think right when yeah. we met the first time online, yeah. But, um, yeah, she was like three or four months old at that time. And it was really hard, but I just decided this is the time I want to make this happen. And I, Oh my God, I'm so glad I did. It's yeah, totally changed the trajectory of my life and career going through, you know, now I can look back when we talk about mindset work around your health, right? Like I can look back and actually really, I'm really grateful that I went through that because it was such an eye-opening experience. It was a total reroute of where my life was going and my health was going and so incredible to be able to have gained that knowledge and to be now you know, making this shift in and be in a position to help so many other women now make this shift in their lives too. Amazing. And you have, I see the work that you do and, you know, the testimonials that you've shared and it's such a beautiful thing that you've been able to help heal other people that are on a similar journey. And you are the person that you wish that you had had back when you were experiencing yeah. a lot of these symptoms and just kind of the the hopelessness, I think of it. Um, and now you're giving them hope and that's amazing. What do you think is the kind of common culprit for like candida overgrowth and, and what dietary influences do you think lead to some chronic, you know, yeast infections and things like that? I know eliminating a lot of different things has helped, but is there anything in particular that you feel like, like I'm sure refined sugar is one of them. That's the biggie. That's the biggie. Really, when you think about so many of the other things too, it comes back to sugar, things that break down as sugar in your body, right? So um, yeah, eliminating refined sugar, which in that case also really kind of counts out so many different like refined processed foods at the same time. Um, That's the biggest, you know, really focusing on a real whole foods diet. You know, if someone feels a little overwhelmed at the idea of a a full-blown candida diet, I'm like, that's cool. Let's just start with sugar. Let's start with refined, you know, processed sugars and flours, right, that um, are in so many packaged foods and just focus on like real whole, you know, fruits, vegetables, meats, eggs, stuff like that, real whole foods. And um, most people can see a big dramatic shift when they even, if, especially if their diet was including all of that before to be able to shift once that's removed. And what are some, I think, and you'll, you correct me if I'm wrong, but candida overgrowth can show up in other ways. So yes, you may have yeast infections, you may have canker sores. What are some of the other ways that people may be experiencing that overgrowth? Yeah. Um, oral thrush is another big one when your, your tongue can be kind of like white chalky, um, that's a big one. It's essentially a yeast infection in your mouth, which sounds kind of gross, but that's, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, people, a lot of people can experience, um, issues around like acid reflux and, um, indigestion can be tied oh. to it. Um, low stomach acid is, can be a connection and an underlying root cause actually of candida overgrowth. So I've worked with a number of clients who have issues like in their esophagus with candida too. Um, oh, that's so interesting. I actually yeah. have a friend and I don't know if she's going to listen to this episode, but I'll have to send <laughs> it to her. She just called me the other day because she thought it was like allergies out for like the last year and went to an ear, nose and throat specialist. They did a scope and they said it's inflammation in her esophagus and that dietary changes are going to help this. It's basically acid reflux without like the heartburn. Yeah. So that, 
sounds like actually what you're describing. Looking at that. Yeah, for sure. And then there's other, I mean, physically as well, I should say like digestive issues is a really big connection. Um, Bloating, um, you know, digestion kind of one end or the other of the spectrum, whether it's more on the constipated end or looser, um, those are all signs. But then there's also like the non-physical signs like anxiety, um, depression, brain fog. There's so many other things like that, like mood related that tied to um, candida overgrowth as well. Interesting. And I'm sure everyone listening would be like, I have all those symptoms at some point in time. And I do think that there is a lot to be said for reducing processed foods and refined sugars, no matter what, and adding in whole foods and grains and things like that. Um, So even if you're like, well, that could be me, like you're still going to benefit from eating in a more clean way and removing those things anyway. (laughs) You know, another thing too, is just, I remember I was, I just always got sick every cold, every season. I got sick with any, anything that went around in a way that I don't anymore. And, um, you know, so it's also just really deeply tied to your immune system. You know, I think it's like 80% of your immune system lies within your digestive tract. And so, you know, one of one of the underlying factors too with candida overgrowth is just having a really rundown immune system. So even just targeting your immune system with whatever it is, immune boosting herbs or vitamins, um, that can really help support the candida overgrowth. But also if you're lacking that, that's one of the things that can really, um, you know, if you're someone who's getting sick all the time, it could be worth exploring um, candida overgrowth as well. And really, you know, back to your point about sugar, um, I read recently, I think it was like 30 minutes after having not even that much sugar, like a tablespoon or teaspoon or something, your immune system's response drops by 40% for hours. Yeah. (laughs) So sugar is one of the biggest, you know, it's inflammatory. It lowers our immune response. It feeds candida overgrowth. So it really is, you know, one of the biggest things to try to remove first to really see if it helps you start to feel better. Yeah. And I think so many people don't realize where it's hidden too. They think, well, I don't drink soda. I'm not going to eat candy. I don't Mm -hmm. add sugar to my coffee, but it's in your pasta sauce. It's in your bread. It's in your frozen ketchup ketchup is a big one. Yeah. 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 I know there's so many other hidden places. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just remember ketchup was one that I really cried over because I used to eat it on things. I was still a picky eater, you know, and um, used ketchup to be able to eat certain things. And when I realized it was really eye-opening how much I forget now exactly, but it was just like my jaw fell on the floor when I realized how much sugar is in, you know, um, conventional ketchup that you buy in the store. Yeah. I love Primal Kitchen's ketchup. Mm -hmm. That's a good option. Um, yeah, again, you know, I, looking at labels is important, but also like eating things that don't have labels is even better. So (laughs) very true. I mean, throw that tomato on your burger instead of the ketchup. Um, but that's, that's really, I like highlighting that. I think people, you know, maybe don't always realize that sugar does have such a big effect on your health and your well being, your immune system. If you're consuming something that has, you know, refined sugar, in each meal, then essentially your immune system is lowered by 40% all day. So you're just in that chronic state of being susceptible to every cold and every virus and everything that's going around. Exactly, That's interesting. And, and the bigger thing we do worry about obviously is the refined processed sugars, but also just being aware of where there are 
high natural sugars if you're someone at least struggling with candida overgrowth. So for example, I went through a period where most mornings I would drink um, that brand Naked, the Naked Juice. Oh yeah, yeah. And they have like 50 something grams of sugar in them. Like granted, it's not added or refined sugar, but it's a lot of sugar. It's like twice the daily value that a yeah. woman should have um, that you're ha- that I was I was having before I ate any food in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to just be aware in that way that yes, like natural sugars obviously on the scale are like a, a better thing, um, but to still just try to have an eye on how you know how much sugar is in the things that you're having because that could seem like a really healthy choice, and mm-hmm. it is better than alternatives, better than soda like you said or things like that. But um, you know, I never drink one of those in a full sitting anymore. I'll, if I happen to buy one of those, I drink it over like two or three different days so that I just yeah. have a head of that you know natural sugar at a time. Yeah. I mean, you're taking pounds of berries and 80 bananas and you're condensing it all into one little bottle. You wouldn't normally eat that. And yeah. if we're eating fruit and getting the natural sugar from say strawberries, you've got the fiber and you've got, you know, all the other minerals and nutrients that are in the skin and, and you're not eating it in that quantity. So, um, that's a really good point that you make to be very, just not careful, but just aware, just to be aware. I, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good tip too. So that kind of brings me into my next question for you. I'm sure that taking, you know, so many different medications, I'm guessing a lot of antibiotics throughout the, you know, your twenties, when you were kind of fighting off the candida overgrowth, um, no doubt wrecked your gut. So gut health, I want to talk about gut health and antibiotics and how they just, you know, I'm the whole of an antibiotic is to destroy the bacteria, the bad bacteria, but also it destroys the good bacteria and the, 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 the flora and the microbiome and all of that, that we need to not only maintain our immune system and our health and a healthy weight, but also our mood and serotonin. And I laugh now because I used to see like, you know, the, the quotes or the memes or whatever it was on Instagram. And it was like 75% of the serotonin is made in your gut. And then it was 80 and now I think it says like, like 95 yeah. <laughs> It's a lot. That's the point, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so very important. So let's talk about that. What was your gut health like? Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Let's go I, just dive right into it. I'll dive in. So as a little kid, you know, going backwards a little bit, I had so many it was like all ear, nose and throat, throat kind of stuff. I had sinus infections. I had so much strep throat. Um, I got my tonsils out even when I was, I think like four or five years old, cause I had had it so much. And so lots and lots of rounds of antibiotics. And at the time, you know, I don't blame anyone. We just didn't know as much about the gut microbiome at the time. And I, I think there were so many times in my life I was given like just in case kind of antibiotics for things if I had a bad cold. So I, I probably can't even count how many rounds of antibiotics I took over the years, you know? Um, and it's funny thinking back, I remember in middle or in high school at one point, I had so much pain. I, I was getting these horrible stomach aches and, um, I went actually to a naturopathic doctor who said, I think you need to cut dairy out of your diet at the time. Um, but, but I think actually it was also because I had taken so many antibiotics in my earlier years leading up to that, that my body just couldn't handle things like very, you know, various foods like dairy or gluten now that I've experienced too, as I've gotten older, um, 
because my gut was just so out of whack from all of those antibiotics, you know, and you add something like antibiotics. And then I started on birth control, you know, as a teenager and took that Mm -hmm. for at least 10 plus years that I was on birth control before I stopped that. (laughs) Um, But you add that, you add the birth control, you add a diet that is, you know, not nutrient dense and really heavy on things that are more inflammatory that, you know, do lower your immune system's response like I had. And it's kind of a perfect equation for a really imbalanced gut. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you had talked what you were just saying about antibiotics. I think one of the best examples to talk about like what an antibiotic really does to your body is it is like, think of your gut microbiome as this like lush garden or like, um, rainforest even with so many different organisms, so many different plants going on inside there. And an antibiotic comes in and just like torches it all. Um, and then you add all those other things. I mentioned the diet, the birth control, all of those things that can really impact it. You know, we need, we need to do so much to nurture that life, to bring it back again. It's not just, you know, necessarily planting the trees. It's also making sure the soil is ready for the trees and all of that. So that that's where things like, you know, lifestyle, stress management, um, pre and probiotics and various other, you know, supplements really come into play in a holistic way to help make that whole, you know, environment thrive again. What are some of the symptoms that you were recognizing other than just kind of like pain? Um, I know a lot of people experience bloating, um, things like that. What else were you, were you noticing? Bloating was just my normal. I honestly didn't, I didn't even realize it was not normal (laughs) Um, or, or a sign. I didn't realize, you know, symptoms are a, a, a way that your body communicates to you that something is wrong. It's not necessarily actually what that symptom is. It's trying to tell you often that there's something deeper going on. Mm-hmm. I had no understanding of that, but yeah. I just thought, you know, my normal was I get bloated or like I knew, you know, from going through that in high school, like my body doesn't love cheese, but I still eat it. And, um, and, and maybe it makes me a little extra bloated those days, but I just, I bloated after almost every meal, honestly, mm-hmm. and just thought that was kind of my normal until I finally went through that process and I didn't bloat and realized, oh my gosh, I, I, I've been living a lie in some ways of just believing that that was, you know, quote unquote, like my normal. Um, and it didn't need to be, it actually meant something was wrong. So bloating was the biggest one for me. Um, and also like kind of digestive issues, like one end or the other of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. um, between like constipation or like loose stools that it never was really like in a healthy, healthy place in that way. Right consistent. Um, what do you think are some of the best ways to heal your gut? I know, you know, there are probably so many people listening who are thinking like, I know it's gut issues. I'm bloated all the time. I keep hearing about this, but I don't actually know what the next step is. What would you recommend? You know, one of the best first things to do, well, you know, here's where it can also depend on like your access to various medical professionals or, um, or testing or things like that. One of the first things is to test your gut to do a stool test. There are different companies that offer that. So you can at least get a snapshot of what levels are really off so that you can start to target them and take some of that guessing out. Um, but if you may not have access to something like that, I would say, start with diet, start with a lot of the things we were just saying, removing refined flours, sugars, um, 
really focusing on, you know, even maybe before removing, focus on what you're adding, like add more nutrient dense foods, add more vegetables, you know, yeah. really focus on um, a diversifying, you know, the amount of veggies and foods that you're eating in that way to to feed the different bacteria, you know, you need a lot of variety in the foods that you eat from so many different plant sources, especially, um, to be able to help that environment thrive again. So yeah, I'd say if you're able to test awesome, if you're not, you know, focus on the food first. Um, and then the other things, like I, I kind of mentioned stress management, you know, lifestyle, um, I find, you know, stress management, working on mindset, some of that stuff we talked about around limiting beliefs, even though that might not seem connected to what's going on in your stomach, it really is. And to really um, do some of that deeper inner work and, and examining uh, the role that has played, especially as it relates to your health, um, I think can be really important to, you know, in the, in the full process of healing your gut, at least. Yeah. What kind of tests would you recommend if somebody does have access to that? Is there something specific? Yeah, okay. a stool test. There's a number of different companies. There's a company I really like called Keen, K-E-A-N, that does them. Um, but uh, yeah, doing a stool test. Um, most doctors, like a um, even just your primary care or a GI kind of doctor can order, or if you're able to see like a functional or naturopathic doctor, they definitely use those in their practice too. Um, but that's, you know, you think about if you have a dog, it's pretty frequent that when we take our dog in, the vet wants us to bring a sample of poop because they yeah. want to check out what's going on inside the dog. And that's considered more normal than doing yeah. it for ourselves. And so it's doing the same thing. It's checking yeah. out like, are there, are the bacteria, you know, in balance, is there something really off? Um, so it's just a way to get a better insight into what's actually going on inside. It's a really good indicator. What are your thoughts now that we've gone down in this direction? What are your <laughs> thoughts on like colonoscopies, um, for gut health in terms of like, you know, let's say somebody has been, I always think it's probably best to do it after you've kind of implemented some healthier choices rather than just like shock your body. What are your thoughts on, on using that as a tool for gut health? Well, and our, our colonics, is that what you mean? Yeah. Do I said colonoscopy. Yeah. I? I meant colon. <laughs> that helps I'm thinking, too. Like, <laughs> coffee enemas and all the things that I hear about. It's early. Yeah. Outside. No, I'll admit I've never tried the coffee enema. I haven't tried a colonic like that myself, but there are people who I know in this gut health space, um, it's interesting. It's kind of a hot topic. There are people I know who are very against it and say it could wipe out the balance of bacteria that you've been trying to restore. Um, and there are also some people I know who really swear by it and who it is a part of their practice to, you know, on a regular semi-regular kind of basis, like cleanse and help move things along. And so I can't say that I have personal experience. So yeah. I feel like I don't like to recommend things unless I've tried them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it is kind of split, but I, I, I will say like, I know people who swear by it, who think it really has helped them. It's helped minimize bloating. It's helped, um, you know, especially if they're trying to like kick off a new regimen of some kind, um, to be able to kind of use that as a part of the process. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. you'll need to decide on your own for that. I'm with you. I haven't done it, but I, 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 I hear about it I'm so curious. often. I'm very yeah. curious. And then some people will be like, oh yeah, I do it like a couple times a year. I'm like, you do? You don't do like anything else in like in terms of like gut yeah. health or, you know, and, but you go down that road. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's what I would say is like, that shouldn't be the first tool or the right. first go-to. I see that as like, 
one piece of a holistic approach maybe, but it shouldn't be the quick fix or the the first go-to that we rely on. We should be trying to make, you know, nutrition and lifestyle shifts before we dig into something like that. That's at least if a client wanted to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. What are, so I I love asking this question, TikTok super, you know, um, popular right now. And there are so many like health trends on TikTok. Mm -hmm. What is one that you see that like completely makes you cringe? And what's one that you see that you're like, that's actually really factual. And I'm glad people are sharing that. That's a good question. Oh, there was this trend a little bit ago. I'm not, I will admit I'm not on TikTok all the time. So maybe you have some, it could be an Instagram trend too. (laughs) But I remember there was a period recently where like a lot of people were just eating a ton of papaya seeds to try to do their own parasite cleanses. Um, which oh that can gosh. help with eating, eating, eating parasite, eating uh, papaya seeds is one way to help kind of flush parasites. But it was people who, again, aren't doing anything else. They were just right. eating a lot of papaya seeds and you shouldn't eat a lot of them. It's like a spoonful at most, you know, at a time. Yeah. Otherwise you'll have, you'll have digestive pain as your body is trying to process that. And so um, it made me cringe a little because there is some factual you know, truth underneath it, but for people to just be doing it on their own and like scooping out all the seeds in a papaya and eating them, you know, yeah, yeah, maybe they did pass some parasites, uh, along the way, but it's not the right way to be going about that process. There are other supplements you can take or actually building like more of a protocol around like for 30 days, for example, you're eating and really focusing on a diet that's based in certain foods. And that is one component of it is having yeah. you know, a spoonful of crushed um, papaya seeds. So that was one I just, I was like rolling my eyes a little bit at some people. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. they're going to be in a lot of pain just trying to eat that all, all, um, you know, in one sitting by themselves. Yeah. That's so funny. I hadn't seen that one, but gosh, I would worry about like toxicity from certain, like, you know, exactly. vitamins. And nutrients <laughs> in the oh my God. Yeah, exactly. Oh. That wasn't that. And that's where you should find if you're really wanting that, like a coach, a naturopath, you know, someone who that's their specialty. There are health coaches, nutritionists, you know, people out there who, if you're interested, you know, we all have parasites. If you're interested in trying to, you know, explore if that's underlying, that could even be a root cause of candida, you know, too. So Mm -hmm. if you're interested in that, there are people who can actually like walk you through that process in a way that will be better for everyone. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. That's a good one. And what have you seen? That's like a common wellness trend or topic that is actually very beneficial. Mm. Honestly, it's probably some of the stuff we've been talking about already, like really actually focusing on mindset as a piece of your physical health, Mm -hmm. focusing on, you know, taking that time in the morning to journal or write out things you're grateful for, or, um, you know, meditate, focusing on the, you know, the, the way that your mindset, yeah, impacts your physical body. I, I don't know if that's considered a trend, but I feel like I'm seeing it. Everywhere it's a popular right topic now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, um, I think there's, I'm glad that we're seeing more of that. It's something I'm personally continuing to lean more and more into because I'm seeing the benefit of that when I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just about the food. And I do see that, a lot now where you'll see the before and after, um, you know, before counting calories, restricting, working out two times a week. And then after like 
meditating, gratitude lists and hikes. And the, <laughs> the difference is like striking where they were, you know, looked very unhealthy, unhappy, probably overweight. And now they're just like glowing. So yeah. And a lot of that is not related to, to food at all or, or focusing on food. Exactly. It's kind of a byproduct of that stress management. Love that. If there was one thing that you could tell your 20 year old self, what would that be? Oof. Um, oh, wow. Um, let me think. The, what <laughs> Take <say>? your time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 20 year old Shannon was pretty lost. Um, she didn't treat her body well. Also like over-exercised, but ate like crap, um, drank too much, all of those things. I think it would probably be something about, you know, the actions that you're, that you're taking now will have an impact later. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, try to, um, better educate that 20 year old self on the fact that, yeah, that those, those, those actions will have consequences because I just didn't, I didn't understand that. We just, we grow up, you know, without a lot of that education as, as simple as it may sound like the food you eat impacts how you feel. Um, but I didn't grow up with a clear understanding of that. And so, um, yeah, I think trying to help educate around that and, you know, stop, eating crap and drinking so much. Probably yeah, it's true. That's a good one because I definitely had no idea that food could impact my mood. Yeah. You know, it was like, well, I'll drink vodka because it's no sugar, no calorie. And I'll eat lean cuisines because they're 220 calories. Mm-hmm. And if I have a burger and French fries, because I'm out, then I just won't eat the next day. Like that, there's like, that's just, you know, that does have long-term consequences and it does impact the way that you feel. I yeah, love that. I think that's a really good tip. You were like, nothing was a real whole food you were saying. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the rationale was all backwards, mm-hmm. which in your twenties, you don't realize, you know, Gosh. that's a good yeah, one. It was, it was like lean cuisines. I remember when I was like 21, 22 working, you know, and in school, it was like lean cuisines, Red Bull. Like yes. Sugar-free like Red Bull. Sugar-free healthy. Yes. So true. And I wondered why I was always bloated. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Three, like three o'clock in the afternoon, I would have to unbutton my pants. It was just, and it was just insane. And it was like, well, I had an apple and peanut butter, but you chased it with a sugar free Red Bull and some sugar free gum with xylitol that makes you bloated. (laughs) Exactly. That's a good one. I love that. Well, Shannon, this was so great. I, we we should definitely do this again because I feel like there's so many more areas that we can cover. Where can everyone find you if they want to learn more about Candida, Candida cleanses, gut health, and your amazing retreats that I'm going to get to one of these days. Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram as Adios Candida. It's A-D-I-O-S underscore Candida, C-A-N-D-I-D-A. And also AdiosCandida.com. But um, yeah, I share a lot of resources around Candida, um, to understand about candida overgrowth, but also like, what are the steps you take to start to heal? And, um, I have a lot of fun stuff coming up right now. I have a webinar coming up that is sharing about, um, you know, some of the things I learned along the way that I'd like to pass along to folks so that they don't have to struggle quite as much as I did. Um, yeah. and, um, like you said, I have a couple of retreats coming up as well, um, in Ojai, California, and then one in Italy this summer that, super excited about that are both more like wellness-based retreats rather than just candida, but overall wellness, gut health, mindset, um, movement, all of that. So a lot of fun things. 
Yeah. Wonderful. And I will share your Instagram and your website handle and link on the show notes as well. So um, make sure you go and you check it out. And thank you again for being here. I appreciate it. This was great. So fun to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to rate and review and also follow along on Instagram at holistic.w.kristen. And I will see you soon.